Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that ponders the particulars of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories from around the world including car makers are striving to get into ride sharing. We talk about the innovative things in the new Citroen Cactus, not due in Australia till next year. We also road test the Holden Astra and compare it to a 12-year-old Astra. And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith and Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories including Pope Francis will tour America in a Jeep Wrangler. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going. First, the news. It was Ford and BMW's Mini who first indicated that they were interested in car-sharing services. In the future, people may not buy as many cars themselves, but rather depend on car-sharing schemes, whether it be local car fleets run by organisations such as GoGet, or alternatives to taxis such as Uber. Now General Motors and Fiat have joined in. GM's Opel brand recently launched the free car-sharing smartphone app Car Unity in Germany. It allows users to offer their own cars for rent even if it's not an Opel. It also allows those without wheels to find a car. GM's investment arm, GM Ventures, recently invested an undisclosed amount into Flinch, an internet and app-based ride-sharing platform. Many car-sharing platforms just require a membership fee and the use of a smartphone app that allows users to locate and reserve a car. Charges typically are by the minute and insurance often is included. So far, car sharing has been most popular in Europe. And while talking about the sharing economy, a New South Wales government department will open some 400 parking spaces to the public in Sydney's CBD, Parramatta and Gosford under a new scheme. The department will run a trial to rent out some of their parking spots so that they are used around the clock, while turning a profit for the state's taxpayers. As part of the trial process, the department is asking for expressions of interest from companies that can provide the technology platform to make it all possible, with selection criteria including demonstrating how spaces will be booked and monitored and applicants' security screened. They've been around for a long time overseas and now they're coming to some pedestrian crossings in New South Wales. Digital Countdown Timers Work has started in New South Wales on a new program to better protect pedestrians from turning vehicles at intersections. The work is in response to two coronial inquests, which recommended changes when pedestrians and motorists both have green signals at the same time. Changes include new traffic light infrastructure, including countdown timers and changing the timing of lights to give pedestrians their own green light or more time to cross before traffic starts turning. In some cases, the flashing red don't walk man at pedestrian crossing lights will be replaced by yellow countdown timers that let pedestrians know exactly how long they have to cross a road. There have been 34 pedestrians already killed on New South Wales roads this year, compared to 25 at the same time last year. In the UK, a third of all car journeys are being delayed by roadworks after the government injected cash into local authorities for repairs. 
Last year, each council spent an average of £6 million on road maintenance projects in their local area, which saw the amount of roadworks rise by 21%. As the repairs went up, so have the delays, and as a result, 33% of all car journeys in Britain are now affected by road maintenance projects. And still in Britain, the UK Department for Transport has released a new report entitled Uptake of Ultra-Low Emission Vehicles, which points to a significant change in the way motorists use and own plug-in vehicles. Ultra-low emission vehicles include plug-in hybrids and pure electric vehicles. When they were first introduced, some felt that they might only be a secondary vehicle in a household. But the report shows that 82% of ultra-low emission vehicle-owning households in the UK use their electric car as their main vehicle, while for 20% of owners, an electric vehicle is their only car. Transport safety researchers from the University of New South Wales have released the findings of a quad bike performance project aimed at developing a safety rating system for vehicles used in workplaces, including farms. The introduction of a safety rating system, similar to that employed by the car industry, could see major improvements in vehicle design and safety, and a likely reduction in the number of quad bike deaths and injuries on farms. Since 2001, more than 210 Australians have died in quad bike accidents, and thousands more have been seriously injured. Roughly two-thirds of those fatalities have occurred on farms, making quad bike incidents the leading cause of death in the agricultural sector. In a move to compete with web-based retailers like Amazon, eBay and Google, Germany's Deutsche Post, Europe's largest mail service, is planning to speed up its long-distance deliveries by looking back in time and placing parcels in the holds of buses. The yellow buses would become part of Germany's public transport network, taking passengers and parcels between Hamburg and Munich. The plan would cut delivery times compared to the firm's traditional mode of logistics, potentially offering a cheaper solution for business customers and a faster one for residential clients. The idea comes from Germany's former Kraftpost operation, which ran post and passenger transport together from 1905. And that has been the news. In the past, I've talked about Citroen being a brand that did things a bit differently. The DS, built from 1955 to 1975, was a classic example because it looked different, but when you spoke to an owner, they got all excited about the hydraulic suspension, the button brake pedal. It was the first mass-produced car with disc brakes, and later models had headlights that twisted when you turned a corner and showed around the corner a bit. It doesn't have to be radically different, and it's not just difference of the usual things arranged in a different order. Now, an important car for Citroen in Australia will be the Cactus. Funny name, we'll talk about that and how that came about. Uh, We won't see it until the first quarter next year, but I did have a look at it. Now, Tyson Bowen is the PR and Communications Manager for Syme Derby, who distributes Citroen and Peugeot in Australia. Now, I don't interview PR people a lot, but Tyson, I think, is a good guy. Give me an honest answer. He joins us on the line now. Tyson, thanks very much for your time. 
Thanks, David. Thanks for having me on. Uh, now, let's start with some of the different things about the uh, cactus, apart from the name, but it's going to have an air bump on the side, sort of an upmarket bubble wrap a bit, really, isn't it? It is almost. It's, um, it's something that Citroen have developed in-house, and it's effectively bubble wrap to the side of your car. So those shopping centre trolley scrapes or when you get out of your car and you open the door and it, and it sort of bangs a concrete pillar in the car park, that damage is, is a thing of the past with this car. It's a lovely idea. Down the side, actually, I think it makes the car look a little bit like an old woody, you know, with panelling down the side, not extended right to the back, just in sort of across the front and, and rear doors. Uh, it's, but it has, as you say, also done the trolley test, hasn't it? You've actually tested against that. Yeah, yeah, it, it will protect the car against a trolley strike, uh, and that trolley would be 40 kilos in weight, travelling at about four kilometres an hour. I love um, so, yeah, it's definitely um, something that will be put into practical use, I'm sure. I, I love the trolley test. I think that's a great one. Now, also, the airbag for the passenger in the front, that uh, is a little different from normal. It is, but it's very practical. So the, the challenge you have when you're engineering vehicles for the globe is you've got left and right-hand drive. And when you do the conversion, sometimes you have to relocate things in the dashboard. But allowing the airbag to drop from the roof means that all of a sudden you've got this huge glove box now at 8.5 litres on the passenger side, which wouldn't have been possible. The other thing is, is because it's so large and it drops from the roof, it gives you better protection from basically the top of the roof line all the way down to the dashboard. So it's both a practical and a safe solution. And you can have a slimmer dashboard if you like. Yeah, it, it, it no longer is the dashboard limited by where you need the airbag to deploy. So all of a sudden it frees up the designers to do things differently. And like I said, it's just the practical application of it as well. Now, the dashboard looks different, not the usual things just rearranged, as I said in the introduction. The screens particularly, the two of them, one in the middle, one in front of the driver, now they look different. Yeah, it, again, it comes back to design and ensuring that the vehicle is both simple to use but efficient. So in this case, efficiency in using the buttons. You know, one of the things that's proliferated in cars of the modern year is buttons. And for some people, there are buttons on their dashboard they would never have used. So one of these tablets is effectively your control centre for everything in the car, uh, air conditioning, audio and vehicle settings. The other one that's in front of the driver where your speedo and taco would normally be conveys all the critical driving information, so speed, fuel and other warnings for the vehicle. So it's, again, a nice, simple way of cleaning out the dashboard and just giving people the information they need at their fingertips. The name cactus does have a certain meaning in Australia, which perhaps is not complimentary, but nonetheless, it is a plant, and uh, that had some impact or some reason behind you picked that name? Definitely. So we like to think of it, it's a, it's a cactus, but not as you know it, um, for the Australian market at least. And, and a cactus in nature is it protects itself, it uses very little resources, and it's very efficient at growing. So if you think about that in relation to the car, it protects itself through its air bumps. It's very efficient because it uses very little resources, even just washing the windscreen and fuel. Um, and overall, it results in a vehicle that very much represents, I suppose, the automotive equivalent of a cactus plant somewhere in the world. Tyson, it's lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, David.
And that's Tyson Bowen, the PR and Communications Manager for Syme Derby, who distribute Citroen and Peugeot. We're talking about the uh, Citroen Cactus, which is coming up uh, in the first quarter in 2016. And if you would like to hear a longer version of that interview, you can go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au where we touch on some of the more unusual features to do with the Citroen Cactus and talk about what Citroen is doing to revive its brand in Australia. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive's Errol Smith has a 12-year-old Holden Astra. So we were keen to see what happens when he got to drive the latest Astra version, which starts at $27,000 and goes up to about $40,000 plus on-roads. He immediately noticed that a few things were rather similar in the car. So is it a modern car or what? Errol and I have been driving it. Let's, the new one at least, let's compare notes. Errol, uh, was it uh, getting back into some familiar ground to hop into the new Astra? It was, uh, it was like walking into a house after it's been completely renovated, but all the rooms are in the same place. <laughs> a couple of the dials and things were in the same place, weren't they? The headlights, for example. Yeah, I just found, you know, little things like the headlight switch and the, um, the mirror switches and, uh, and the stalks and steering and things like that were all, all in this, exactly where they, where they are in, in my model. Even some of the, the cup holders and the little hidey holes under the dash and all those kind of things. It was all, it was all very familiar. It is a bit unfair to compare a 12-year-old lived-in car with a two- or three-month-old uh, press car, isn't it? I, I think yes. That, that's a bit this, unfair. This is true, but um, it's sort of interesting that we're actually crossing two generations here. It's still interesting what is, is still what is, is, is essentially unchanged through the, through hmm. the range. So if you, if you do have an old Astra, you can get into this and, uh, and you'll be, you'll be at home. home. Hmm. It, hmm. The new one is, of course, only a two-door coupe. Yours is a four-door sedan, so we're not comparing them directly. Uh, hatch, four-door hatch, yeah. But um, four-door hatch, yeah. yes. There were difference old and new. What about safety? Yeah, well, the um, the model I have uh, has a whopping twin airbags and seatbelt pretensioners, and that's it. Um, they did tack on uh, ABS and traction control in uh, in the uh, a later series, but um, in this one you've got uh, ABS, electronic brake distribution, traction control, stability control, which you can turn off if you want to, uh, and multiple airbags. So it's a, a big improvement in in the safety department. Gearbox. Uh, mine is a, a four-speed auto with sport mode. Um, mm. This one, this one has a six-speed auto. Now, there's no sport mode, but uh, you can just stick the push the gear to the side and um, and manually change gears. So yeah, there's um, no there's no paddles on the wheel. Yes, yeah, and and they're a bit of a gimmick anyway. In this this kind of gearbox, it's a, it's not a double clutch or anything like that. Well, the funny thing that we talked about in just in the previous interview was the the new uh, Citroen Cactus, which says, "What? Well, why have a gear lever if you've got an automatic anyway? Because, mm. you know, it's all electronically linked. 
and why not have paddles and not have the gear lever where you can do it uh, back there. Some other differences between your old one and the new one. Spare tyre? Uh, yeah, mine has a full-size spare, uh, but you're looking at a space saver in the, in the new model. Um, and I don't really see an excuse for that because it's surrounded by masses of sort of foam. I reckon they could have fitted a full-size one in there if they tried, but uh, who knows? Weight, weight and cost. Weight and cost is it. And sometimes they leave room for that, that if you want to specify a spare tyre, I'm not sure if they do with the Astra, but you can actually buy one and, and, and have it put in. What about inside, legroom, for example? Uh, the, um, there's a lot, a lot more adjustability in the front seats. So um, compared to the older models, you've got a, a lot more room forwards and backwards and up and down. Uh, you've got more control over the, uh, the seats, got a lot more adjustability. Um, but the, the, the rear legroom is pretty much the same surprisingly in fact it can actually be less because the front seats can go further back i did enjoy driving this it's um it's quite a fun car and it's um and compared to what what i paid for mine which was twenty seven thousand exactly the price really hasn't gone up much in in 12 years well not even in 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 absolute dollars if you consider the yeah. value of twenty seven thousand twelve years ago yeah yeah that's that's pretty high, plus all the extra features that you're getting. That is, that is significantly yeah. different, isn't it? And this, and this is the, uh, this is the quicker version. Um, mine's, mine's the, the standard 1.8 um, of the day. Errol, thanks again for your time. No worries, David. And that's Errol Smith, and we were talking about the Holden Astra, the GTC. We had the automatic version. There's a couple of them around. They start at 27,000 plus on-roads and go to 40,000 plus on-roads and round figures. A nice touring car. And if you would like to hear a longer version of that interview, you can go to our website and podcast from there if you like. Go to drivenmedia.com.au where you'll hear Errol and I talk more about the comparison of the old and the new, the engines of the cars that is available, and some of the other features. Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. And now the final part of our program where we talk about some unusual stories to do with motoring and transport. Joining me again on the line is Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. And Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And Errol, you start us with a story. Well, Pope Francis will be fulfilling many Americans' dream, driving around the country in a topless Jeep. The uh, pontified Jeep Wrangler is, of course, painted heaven white, and while His Holiness will be partly protected from the elements, he'll still have a bit of wind in the vestments with the open-sided vehicle. Now, that may be on uh, Fiat Chrysler's heavenly side, but further down towards purgatory are some hackers who figured out how to remotely disable a Jeep Wrangler via the internet. While they can do silly things like change your AC settings and fiddle with the radio, the serious side is that they can, for real, kill the engine, kill the transmission, or even completely disable the brakes. Fortunately, this only affects US model Jeep Wranglers, not the ones sold in Australia or other countries. I predict the lawsuit. 
Uh, the Pope will just lay on hands and the thing will be <laughs> fixed up, won't <I> think. <laughs> Vade retro <laughs> satanus. <laughs> That's very good, Brian. <laughs> what I'm worried about, I just hope he doesn't come across any uh, any moose um, while he's out there because, of, of course, the Jeep um, uh, was famous for failing the moose test and uh, mm. you know, pre- pretty much practically rolling over each time it um, had to violently um, change direction. direction. One one hopes that the Pope is not going to violently change direction. He's infallible, of course, so if he's at the wheel, uh, it'll be a delightful (laughs) ride. (laughs) Right down the middle of the road, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He he bears a little left these days, Pope Francis. Oh, he does. um, You know, would would really mean he should be visiting Australia or or another sort of left-hand drive country. (laughs) Left-side driving. I thought you might need to, uh, given our politics is, uh, appears to be so right, you, it might mean that we needed his help. <laughs> of course, he, he used to ride public transport a lot. Of course, an open top like that means he can fit more people in. So perhaps <laughs> That's he, right. Car, car sharing. He could be an Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> Make some more money. Yeah. Just going down the street, you know. Of course, the Wrangler is very slab-sided, rough and tough, a bit like the Land Rover Discovery. Uh, which was pretty rough and tough. Uh, maybe that might suit his image. He did, I think, the South American one, he used a Toyota Land Cruiser. So he, he's mm. using different models all over the place, isn't he? Very ecumenical. He's sort of in... supporting local industry in a way, isn't he? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And, of course, um, having spent a lot of time on his knees on a hard floor, the ride of the Jeep Wranglers probably won't bother him too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the ride for someone who's got a lot of Catholic experience. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I thought the, the thing, I thought he should sorry. be in some kind of Cadillac, like with the top down, you know, sort of uh, Thelma and Louise style car. Yes, he's a very humble he, man. He's, yes, he, yes, he's he's humble. He he wouldn't want to uh, to be seen to be too extravagant. Well, he could just pick up a rental, couldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> And thrash it to death. <laughs> the value of the car would increase hugely afterwards, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, you could rent it out. It, it'd you? almost but... be miraculous. <laughs> as, as driven by the Pope. <laughs> Suddenly it's worth not worth $500 anymore, but worth sort of hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. And the, the exhaust only blows white smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a bad sign, or, isn't it? Or if, or if it blows black, he's in, he's in deep trouble. I think it's a bad sign if any if it's blowing any smoke, isn't it? Because that means the, the death of the Pope and the need to elect a new one. <laughs> so you'll be hoping for uh, emission standards to be met. Well, it might be incense. <laughs> you know, it might sort or, of or maybe, maybe the hackers are scared to get in and, and wreck it. Ha- hackers, yeah. Hackers, uh, it'd be good if they could hack into that. So because then they could listen into confession or something, couldn't oh, they? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. The other thing is, right, the Pope comes out for Mass or Communion, whatever, in a cowboy hat and that, and the whole congregation together comes and says, so you've got a Jeep. <laughs> huh? Oh, no. I could just <laughs> see Chrysler Daimler doing this, making yeah. another of those awful Jeep ads. Yeah. Yes. All these sermons will be about the Sermon on the Mount, won't they? Yes. yes. Uh, when you drive up the Mount of Olives, you need to have in- enough <laughs> determination and power. <laughs> The spiritual equivalent of low range yeah. with a lockable disc. <laughs> you can see it barreling up through Golgotha, knocking all the 
for <laughs> the crosses aside. <laughs> Every sentence will start with a tacky song saying, don't hold back uh, from the Lord. <laughs> I did, uh, I did look up the good book and found that Moses was tending a flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So wilderness driving, maybe, maybe it's significant. It's quite fitting in a way, isn't it? I, I think uh, if Jeep haven't already thought of all this stuff, we should be consulting to them. Hmm. And, uh, no, you know, I'm, the hacker thing I'm quite concerned about, I think, uh, uh, there's some real issues there in um, being able to have be certain that you're in control of your own vehicle. This uh, this raises interesting questions for driverless vehicles too in the future. <laughs> well, you need driverless vehicles in case of what, what do they call it when you get all taken up to heaven? The rapture. The rapture. When the rap the rapture comes, mm. um, they, they once made a movie about what would happen if the rapture came and all the good people went to heaven. What would that leave on earth? And someone suggested, of course, that immediately means that good people should never have a driving license. Ah, yes. Because if they're taken away immediately, well, then the car's out of control. Yeah, or the taxi drivers are not getting their fare. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There'll be, I imagine there will be plenty of taxis available. What are you, what are you suggesting, Brian? LAUGHTER <laughs> Ah, dear. Well, let's not get into that. Uh, perhaps we've had enough of that subject, gentlemen. Would you like to I'll talk about the new style of transport they're looking at in Boston? A Minnesota-based company called J-Pods has been making the rounds of the city. They're pitching its elevated transport network. They reckon it's the next logical step in rapid public transport. It's sort of uh, rapid transit above the ground. Uh, it looks a bit like a truss bridge, a beam of that, and hanging underneath it is a pod that looks a little bit like a small cabin designed a little bit like a, a, a little royal coach underneath it. Or perhaps the old uh, handsome cab in a little way, but rounded a bit in that. Uh, capacity is not what it's all about. And you can hear the lads discuss more of that unusual form of transport being discussed in Boston, often compared to the Jetsons. There's also a story about spoilt school children and what they do to try and drive their cars. And there's the Gazee Box, which protects your car without hiding it. Go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au and download the file or podcast it from that site as well. All right, gentlemen, uh, always good to talk to you. There's a number of very interesting stories there. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. No worries. And that's Brian Smith and Errol Smith, and we were talking some quirky news in the world of motoring and transport. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, David Campbell, Brian Smith and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>